This episode is sponsored by Indeed Prime. Indeed Prime helps software developers simplify their job search and land their dream job. Candidates get immediate exposure to the best tech companies with just one simple application to Indeed Prime. Companies on Prime's exclusive platform message candidates with salary and equity up front. The average software developer gets five employer contacts and an average salary offer of $125,000. Indeed Prime is 100% free for candidates, no strings attached. And when you're hired, Indeed Prime gives you a $2,000 bonus to say thanks for using Prime. But if you use the SE Radio link, you'll get a $5,000 bonus instead. So sign up at Indeed.com slash SE Radio. This is Software Engineering Radio, the podcast for professional developers, on the web at se-radio.net. SE Radio brings you relevant and detailed discussions of software engineering topics at least once a month. SE Radio is brought to you by IEEE Software Magazine, online at computer.org slash software. Welcome to another show of Software Engineering Radio. Today uh, with me is Patrick Qua or Pat Qua. Welcome to Software Engineering Radio, Pat. Nice to have you here. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's it's great to uh, talk to you on, on this uh, podcast. Yeah. So um, who are you? Who's Pat Qua? Pat Qua is a principal consultant and tech lead for SortWorks. And he's usually based in London, although he's currently working from Berlin. Um, he has over a decade of experience in software development. Um, he has uh, a strong focus on people, on business and uh, on technology. Some of you might know him for his uh, handbook on retrospectives and the recently published book, Talking with Tech Leads. And uh, Pat has also been involved in giving trainings on technical leadership, both internally to ThoughtWorks as well as externally. And actually, uh, I was part of one of these uh, trainings. So um, the topic of this episode will actually be how to become or what is it about becoming a technical lead. So that's actually um, perfectly fitting. Pat, is there anything more you would like to say to yourself? Uh, no, you've summarized it pretty well. Okay, perfect. Before we start, both me and Pat work for SortWorks. That's why I attended one of his trainings, um, just to to keep the 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 lock clear, I would say. Um, and let's just start with um, the very first question, which comes into mind when when talking about becoming a tech lead, is what is in the role of a technical lead? What is my responsibility when I become a technical lead? Yeah, the question is a really great one. Uh, and I think I want to first start off by saying that there isn't a single good definition for this because every organization treats this role slightly different. Uh, so what I will say is having worked with lots of different clients across different sort of organizations, uh, I can talk about what I think I see as common characteristics around what I see a tech lead's responsibility being. Um, in some sort of organizations, a tech lead is sometimes called a lead developer. Uh, in other organizations, it is simply called an architect. Uh, for me, um, the sort of combination of these two ideas is that it's not really about an architect role who's sort of sitting outside the team, but it is actually about a developer, uh, somebody who has development skills, who has the responsibility of leading the team. 
And it's quite different, I guess, from uh, maybe a senior developer who is maybe leading a certain area within a part of a system, but actually it's really trying to focus on the sort of effectiveness of a team overall. So I would expect that a tech lead is kind of writing some level of code and also working at a very technical level. So what I would say a tech lead is not is sometimes what some people might be called as a technical manager. So somebody who might be more responsible for the people uh, sort of development or sort of reporting lines, but isn't necessarily concerned about architecture. Even though they have that technical background, they aren't necessarily really focused on where the system is. And I would expect technical managers, for instance, to be working with a tech lead. In a lot of other companies, I know masters uh, are very uh, popular roles. Uh, and I would actually say that they are actually sort of a separate role. So even though a tech lead could be a scrum master, being a scrum master doesn't necessarily automatically make you a tech lead. Mm -hmm. um, so there, there's this aspect of a tech lead is still a developer and he's focusing on the effectiveness of the team, you say. That's right. Yeah. And you would say a technical manager is exclusively focusing on the team um, and a architect is exclusively focusing on the technology and a senior uh, developer is someone who owns a particular part of the software when you want to uh, contrast it? Yeah, that's right. Um, and I really want to emphasize that uh, these are all about roles and it doesn't necessarily mean that an organization will have one person for each of these roles. Uh, sometimes a person plays multiple of these roles. Um, so sometimes, for instance, the uh, playing the tech lead role may also be the technical manager looking after sort of the people and line management and maybe the most senior developer on the team. Um, but there are other situations where these are for maybe scale of the team or the way that the organization has sort of structured themselves. It may be separate roles as well. Um, I typically see, I guess, a bit more of a division between Uh, sort of the technical side, uh, which is a bit more around the sort of architecture and the system direction, uh, and more about the sort of people management uh, and the sort of project management side, which might fall a bit more into the technical manager side. So that's a bit more of a common pattern that I would see. Um, but I do really want to emphasize that it is a role, and that means that it's a collection of responsibilities. Before we dive deeper um, into this, can you elaborate a little bit on why a tech lead is actually needed? Yes, uh, it's a really great question. Uh, and when I've been talking at conferences about uh, what a tech lead is, one of the first questions I often get is, why do we need this? So this is a perfect question. And I can definitely see situations where if you're working in a say, small team and everyone gets along really well and everyone understands what needs to do, um, maybe you don't need a, a tech lead um, because everyone understands and is well aligned. Uh, in my experience, uh, that tends to be a very idealistic state. And there are actually a lot of teams that are sort of maybe in a more chaotic state and with a mix of skills. So um, what tends to happen is that then there's maybe a bit of confusion about how things should be implemented or what the direction of the system and architecture should be. And uh, it's great when developers who are maybe self-empowered to make choices for themselves make decisions But when they're working against each other, you end up with a bit of a mess. And for me, uh, one of the key responsibilities of the tech lead 
is really keeping uh, the developers sort of working effectively in the same direction. And uh, you know, even a very stable team uh, who are getting along one day may end up in a situation where maybe they disagree about the sort of way or a framework or a tool, that, how it should be implemented or a feature, uh, and you end up sort of with a division. And for me, um, that tech lead role there is to really shepherd the team to make sure that um, everyone's heading in the same direction for most effectiveness. Yeah. So I, I uh, remember seeing a tweet you share in your presentation, which is uh, like, in, in my last project, there were 10 guys with very strong opinion and all of the, that were expressed in code. Is that what you're hinting at? Yeah, exactly. I, I think that's a, I, I put that tweet in there because it summarizes it from one different perspective. And um, I think If you uh, like conceptually open up a code base that you don't know, uh, maybe you're strangers and you open up sort of s different parts of the system, I think for me, a good sign of effective tech leadership and a team working together is that in general, everything feels like it's written by uh, the same sort of developer mindset. And when you have 10 different personalities writing code in different, in sort of 10 different ways, A, it becomes a really difficult maintenance nightmare, and you tend to end up with more silos, which for me uh, is a worry about overall effectiveness. Yeah. Um, all right. So you have been a tech lead in uh, multiple locations. So today you're quite experienced, but uh, of course there was a time when you was the you were tech lead for the very first time. Can you describe how you felt and and how it came about? Yeah, absolutely. Um, for me, I think my first experience was uh, pretty shocking, I guess. Uh, from uh, I was just coming back from holidays. I was working on one team and I, was, I got a call at the airport saying that I'd be starting as a tech lead for another team uh, the day that I got back. Um, so there was kind of a bit of a shock effect about a you know, okay, I was a developer on this team, now I'm asked to do something different. What does that exactly mean? And I think for a lot of people, um, you know, who find themselves in this role, they're probably feeling the same sort of concern, right? They Maybe they're confident as themselves as a developer, but then there's a whole bunch of maybe unexplained responsibilities and what are the things you should be focusing on uh, as a tech lead and how is that different from being a developer? Um, so for me, I think uh, a lot of that experience was sort of uh, trying to work out what that role is um, because at that time I didn't really know where to go for that information. I talked to, fortunately, other people who I respected and I had access to to talk about how they approach it. Yeah, but uh, I would say that I felt um, a little bit maybe unsupported because I didn't have that sort of safety net where I didn't feel so safe. Um, mm. what, what did the, the people tell you about the tech lead role? I think what was really interesting back then was, uh, I guess some of them talked about what they felt was really important and how they approached the role. So uh, I remember one sort of tech lead talking to me about what they think about, uh, which is the bigger picture and the architecture. So when you're a developer, you know, you're probably thinking a lot more about the clean code that you're trying to write to make sure things are testable, to make sure that you're thinking about Uh, how well designed that small component is, but you sometimes forget to think about where that fits in with a bigger picture. Um, and you know, I think I feel that in the agile space, uh, we kind of don't talk about architecture a lot. Uh, I'm not advocating for having an architect role and you know just them focus exclusively on architecture, but I really believe that actually everyone should be thinking about architecture and. And that's what part of the architect role helps people to do on the team is to sort of come up 
at certain points to make sure that we're sort of still aligned in that same direction. Another tip that somebody gave me was really uh, that focus on even though you're a tech lead, uh, part of your responsibility is also working with the rest of the team. And so for me, this was actually starting to get some more awareness of actually as a developer, you know, if you see a conflict between two other people on the team, uh, and a common strategy that you can take is to kind of just get on with the work that you're doing and you kind of treat that as not your problem. Um, but actually as a tech lead, uh, trying to resolve perhaps conflict or design uh, arguments between two developers is actually an important thing because you want everyone to sort of agree on the general direction. Uh, it doesn't necessarily matter about which solution is, is correct, um, but you're really wanting everyone to at least have buy-in as to what the general idea is. Mm -hmm. Have you had a conflict in, in your first tech leading gig? Yeah, I did actually. Um, and um, for me, it was like, I think as a developer, And having that sort of technical background, I was quite confident in, I guess, my more technical and sort of architecture skills. Uh, and I guess dealing with people, it made me realize actually how different individuals are and how, how uh, strange people can act when they work with people in different sort of backgrounds or different skills and strengths. Can you highlight that with an example maybe? Yeah, so I remember a particular pair on my team, uh, and one of them was uh, very much, um, so we work typically with pair programming, so two developers sitting at a computer um, working on the same sort of story and feature. And one of them uh, was kind of a really uh, excitable kind of person who, you know, really wanted to get on with uh, sort of getting on with work. And the other person, the sort of style to development was a lot more, uh, you know, I need to actually think about this problem a little bit. I want to go off and uh, sort of maybe try to model it a little bit and draw a little diagram. Uh, and I'm not talking about, you know, they needed weeks or days to go do this. It was really about having some space and time. And uh, I can remember uh, hearing a couple of frustrations uh, within sort of the team area about uh, them, you know, one person saying, I just want to get on with it. And the other person's like, I don't think we're ready for it. I don't agree on what we're actually doing. Uh, and for me, it's just two different styles, but they didn't necessarily understand that each person had different styles and hadn't come up with a way of actually working together. Yeah. So before that that critical holiday, before that call on the airport, how would you have dealt with this situation and how did you deal with it as a tech lead? I think if I had dealt with it before the holiday, I would have probably been in the, it's not my problem, uh, it's the tech lead's responsibility to sort of deal with that sort of stuff or maybe a project manager um, responsibility to deal with that. So you, um, the maximum you would have done is talked with the tech lead or the project manager? Yeah, I probably would have flagged it because I guess it feels a bit strange to maybe deal with arguments that you're not involved in. Mm -hmm. um, and then I guess post uh, the sort of holiday and when I was in that role, I guess I felt that it's really important that every developer can talk to each other and appreciate each other's strengths and get along. Um, so um, in this situation, uh, I think I ended up sort of uh, taking uh, both of the devs into a room Uh, to sort of talk about frank feedback around, you know, what I observed. And, um, you know, it wasn't in a way that really tried to sort of shame them, but it was a bit more of trying to explore where each person was coming from and where the source of it was. Um, and I think for me, it was really useful for each person to talk about what was important to them and how they liked doing things. 
Uh, and I think for me, that was a really important thing to be able to then let people air that out in a bit more of a safer environment. Mm -hmm. So in, in the end, uh, they agreed on a, on a working style or? Yeah. Um, so in the end, um, uh, what they ended up agreeing on was kind of when they picked up a new bit of work uh, that, you know, they would have a certain time uh, where they would sort of maybe split their sort of pair and the person who wanted to sort of get on with it would maybe prototype a few things or like read around some tools and technologies that were relevant to what they were going to do. And then the other person would sort of go off and uh, sort of draw some uh, um, sort of models on some index cards. And then they'd get back together after a couple of hours to talk through, you know, how they'd actually go implement it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a nice story. So we, we scrabbled on the surface of what the tasks of tech leads are by, by your first um, tech leading task. So we have like, you need to see the bigger vision of of the the project the the bigger architecture yep. uh, and actually we have a nice episode on on architecture ske uh, sketches by simon brown on there who also wrote um architecture for developers so it might be worth listening to it it's uh show number 228 and it's the working with people aspect you ma you mentioned in in the conflict example is there Or what are the other responsibilities you see as the tech lead responsibilities? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so on a, a blog post of mine, I have a model which is like a Venn diagram. Uh, so if you look for it, you might end up being able to uh, connect to it. Um, and it's about the sort of role of a tech lead. And what I describe as kind of an overlap of three circles. Uh, so one of them is the developer skills. So it's for me really important that a tech lead can write code Uh, and work with the system that everyone is working on. Um, it doesn't mean that they're only writing code, um, but they need to be able to do it and work with the developers at any point. Um, at the same time, there's a circle about general leadership, uh, and what you were kind of talking about was maybe resolving some sort of conflict. But I think there are a lot of other things about leadership that uh, effective tech lead takes on. So, you know, part of uh, some of the responsibilities will be, for instance, trying to convince business people that you need to spend time as a team working on technical things because uh, you need to have that time to make sure that you're as effective dealing with maybe technical debt or infrastructure things that will actually make you a lot more effective. And it's a two-way kind of uh, street where... Actually, you also need to be convincing the developers not just to work on technical things, but actually to also make sure that there is a connection from what they're working on back into helping the business because you really want to make sure you continue to build trust between sort of the technologists and the business. So there's a kind of bridging role that a tech lead typically plays. I touched a little bit upon sort of risk management, and I think for me that's a really big thing that uh, a tech lead should be really thinking about. Uh, in most organizations, that role will often have contact points with other people outside of the team. Um, so maybe it's typically your operational type people or the support people who have to run the software that people build. Or it's perhaps around sort of marketing or finance uh, and some of the implications about the sort of software or features. And uh, it's really about trying to make sure that overall somebody is really worrying about risk. And Some teams may have a project manager, some people don't. And uh, the tech lead also needs to be thinking about the technical risks. Uh, so for instance, uh, when people are putting software into production, uh, is there enough logging infrastructure in place so that if something goes down, 
teams know how to support the software or other people know how to support the software? Are we making the right technical choices such that uh, we're not necessarily dependent on a particular vendor roadmap? And if they go away, then the software ends up sort of uh, crashing out. Um, or are we spending enough time sort of keeping our code clean and spending enough time in refactoring because, uh, you know, that will eventually sort of kick in and, and sort of kill uh, the effectiveness of the team? So I think there's general leadership type responsibilities. And then the third circle is really around the architecture. So it's really trying to help people understand more of a, a building a system rather than building software. So it's thinking about not just the features that people are writing on, but also the ecosystem in which that software is going to live. So thinking about it needs to be deployed on a cloud or on, uh, on a, in a Docker container, stuff like that. Absolutely. I, uh, I think it's the, um, you know, and every team's different. Some people get to run their own software or deploy into production. Other people don't get to ever see their software live as there are different handoffs to other parts of their organization. Uh, but it's really important that the tech lead is trying to help people understand the consequences of their feedback and trying to help the developers get as much feedback about the software that they write. And part of that is making sure that they understand what's happening with their software in production. Yeah. So the, the the blog post you're you're referencing to is called Tech Lead Cycles of Responsibility. Um, I'm going to link that in in the show notes. I would like to dive a little bit deeper into into a few things um, I I saw popping up there um, when sure. I see the leadership and and uh, also the development thing. It's about um, object orientation, writing code, evolutionary architecture. Um, Stuff like risk management, for me, it feels like it's a little bit of managing the team culture. Yeah. Is that something you would would see as a responsibility? Yeah, definitely. I think team culture is a really important part. And in one of the talks that I give, which is uh, called The Geek's Guide to Leading Teams, I talk about what should a tech lead be focused on in terms of team culture. And I contrast that with if you take a team lead, you know, they're thinking about how do they interact with each other. Um, and actually, as a tech lead, some of the cultural things that I'm looking for, in addition to those things, are thinking about how do people approach the code that they write. Uh, and some, some specific examples that I look for is that, you know, what sort of development culture do you want to cultivate as a tech lead? Because you can have that ability to influence that. Uh, a concrete example is like, if you're doing continuous integrations, builds get broken. You know, I've worked on teams where uh, the, the build would stay broken because it was a bit more of a somebody else's problem type attitude. Mm -hmm. And for me, that was a reflection on, you know, maybe a type of team culture that the tech lead didn't focus on versus other teams where it's like, as soon as it's broken, you know, a developer springs on that and, you know, a flag goes up and you know who's fixing that build. Yeah. What do you typically do to, to yeah, support, to create that team culture? I think part of a lot of this stuff is really around bringing the team together at certain points to to bring alignment. So uh, I think alignment doesn't really happen if people are sort of working with each other day to day by itself. Uh, it can, uh, but more often than not, uh, people end up sort of staying at their computers and maybe not talking about some of the big issues. So um, I guess some of the activities that I think about if you're being an effective tech lead is maybe getting the development team together in a room to talk about some concerns that make sense for everyone to get agreement on. Uh, so for an example, you know, like 
people maybe will log things in different formats and maybe the discussion is around, okay, what's our general approach to logging and how do we make sure that we log the right level of information? Other ways of getting alignment are, for instance, uh, getting a, a developer to maybe share a certain part of their system. Uh, maybe it's about interacting with external APIs or other external dependencies. And to see if there's a general consistent approach in that. You know, you might actually find even in a team of eight people, you end up with three different strategies for dealing with external systems. Mm -hmm. uh, and people can learn from that. Yeah. So what I hear you saying is a little bit what I'm familiar as tech huddles, where the team gets together and talks about technologies. Is that a little bit what, what you're hinting at? Yeah, definitely. Uh, and, and that sort of tech huddle is, I guess, one name and maybe one way of achieving that. Um, you know, some other teams do uh, whole group code reviews. Uh, and there's a, a company in the UK, uh, Unruly, who's kind of known for, I guess, trying to push extreme programming even more to the point where, you know, they've adopted quite regularly mob programming where the entire team is sort of programming at the same time. Let's move on from teams uh, culture to something else I, I heard you talking about, which is growing the developer, growing people. Mm -hmm. I guess that's something of a business of a of a tech lead. How do you approach that typically? Yeah, um, well, I want to actually say why it's important first, because um, a very common anti-pattern that I see with uh, particularly new tech leads is that a lot of companies tend to promote maybe the best developer into this role. And I don't actually think you need to be the best developer on the team to play this role. I think you need to be a good developer that everyone respects. But I don't think you necessarily need to be a best developer. And I think one of the consequences of when the best developer is promoted into the team is that they'll want to keep writing all the code the best that they can. And what that ends up doing is creating a sort of bad systemic cycle where you know they want to take maybe all the interesting problems, they want to tackle all the hard solutions, uh, and you know kind of leave the easy stuff for the rest of the developers. Um, now, if you flip it around the other side and you think you're a developer on that team, you know, it's not very inspiring or exciting to be working on things that aren't so interesting. At the same time, the tech lead in this sort of bad uh, anti-pattern uh, is maybe torn in lots of other meetings and other things because they have other responsibilities to deal with. And so it's really hard for them to actually do a really good job as they were as just focusing as a developer. So that's why I think it's important to build uh, the other developers. How you go... Um, how you go to develop new developers is, I guess, really trying to help people connect to maybe new opportunities that they've not done and give them a safety blanket around that. So, you know, encouraging people to work on areas or technologies that they've not dealt with, but maybe they have, uh, you know, either yourself or other people to bounce ideas off and to sort of strategize about approaches. Can you share an example how you've done that maybe with someone? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so on one of the teams that I've worked with, um, we introduced the concept of sort of feature leads. Uh, and uh, the idea was for me to sort of make sure that as a tech lead, I had a still good overview of how we were going to approach a certain area. And then each sort of developer got to maybe own uh, kind of a feature and how we would actually end up implementing that sort of area. Yeah. As an example, maybe like how we approach authentication in this particular example. And then what that ended up doing is that I would actually pair people up just so that they had that sort of support. And they'd sort of go off, explore what we kind of needed in terms of this particular authentication. Um, they'd talk about what tools or libraries we might end up using, how we'd approach it, and what are the potential ways that we'd end up writing or designing our code to deal with that. 
uh, at which point then I got to sort of maybe help review some of that stuff to make sure there were no gaps and to make sure that it seemed to make sense in alignment with other things. And then when we were happy with that solution, uh, we then doubled it up with maybe what you would have called a tech huddle mm -hmm. and then sort of got the whole team involved to make sure they understood what the general approach would be. And I guess what was really interesting is that some feature leads were maybe a lot more uh, successful in terms of being able to come up with a solution by themselves, whereas other people needed a little bit more time in terms of saying, you know, I don't really know where to go about even starting about how to break this down, and then would work together on maybe different approaches or, you know, different options that they could explore. And so, you know, this is helping people grow and people need different ways of getting there. Yeah. So um, this feature lead strategy was basically giving people explicit responsibility in the team and then supporting the ones uh, who, who struggled with, with that responsibility to, to do it completely on their own? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. How do you support me? So if I'm taking over the feature lead for authentication and I'm, yep. I don't know how to start, what, what would you say to me? Yeah, um, so I guess partly I'd sort of explain what I expect of a feature lead, uh, which is around uh, making sure that we meet all the requirements from the business side and, and assess all the potential risks of what type of authentication use cases we actually need. So part of it would be saying, okay, you probably need to talk to these sorts of people to get an understanding about how they want to interact with the system. And then, you know, sort of they go off and sort of look at that sort of area and then talk about, okay, what, what sort of approach do you think we take from a technical perspective? And if there wasn't any sort of, um, you know, I think part of the habits of a good tech lead is not giving all the answers straight away, but letting people find the answers for themselves. And so I do a lot of sort of questioning to work out where people are comfortable and what knowledge they already have. And if they don't know at all where to start, like the example you gave, then I might be a little bit more directive and say, okay, well, have you considered, say, looking at OAuth and these libraries in this sort of area and... Um, you know, all these, you know, do we need two-factor authentication? Uh, and then, you know, people go off and sort of evaluate that sort of fit based on the technology stack that we have. Yeah. Uh, it might even involve sort of saying, okay, you know, go off and run a spike, which is a time-boxed uh, technical investigation where somebody comes up with a small prototype. And then we come back and we learn a little bit about that. Yeah, I, I typically, when, when I'm in, in a such situation, I typically tell the people, oh, that's the terms I would start Googling for. Mm -hmm. uh, is that something you would also do? Yeah, that's definitely an option as well. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we mentioned feature lead, which, which essentially is you look at the responsibility as a tech lead and mm -hmm. find a certain area where you say, I deleg delegate that to, to mm -hmm. someone to grow him or her. Is there also an aspect of choosing the right person for that job? Uh, I think I prefer a bit more of a pool model uh, in terms of um, sort of like, I guess my goal as a tech lead is I want everyone to buy into the work that they're doing because I want people who care about that. So um, for a lot of the sort of points, I try to avoid explicitly choosing people and I try to get people who want to work in that area. And part of the role, I guess, which is a communication skill, is trying to get people excited about what is interesting around different areas um, because I think uh, sometimes you can get really uh, talking about what's not right in different systems or, you know, that we have to get on with this work. But at the same time, some of this stuff needs to get done and there are other opportunities to do it. Um, so I prefer to sort of say, okay, you know, we need to look at perhaps 
apps, campaign management, um, and we need to come up with a way of how we actually integrate that sort of technical solution with uh, how we're going to run campaigns across this particular product. Um, we need somebody to come up with a technical solution and the general approach of how we deal with this. You know, and here are maybe the exciting opportunities and the people you get to work with that you don't necessarily normally get to. And then I, I look for volunteers. And you know, sometimes you don't have volunteers, at which point you might need to then choose people. Um, but then part of that comes down to you as a leader building up that trust with the developers on your team. Hmm. Is, uh, have you ever been in the situation where you felt that someone volunteered too often? Uh, yes, definitely. Uh, and I would often sort of say that explicitly. So I guess part of me as a tech lead trying to support people being successful is also watching how much stuff that they take on and trying to manage that as well. So um, I think uh, on an, uh, one of the teams that I worked on, I think we had a kind of guideline rule that nobody should be working on more than two feature areas at one time mm. just because there's too much work. Yeah. I remember from, from uh, our trainings that you also uh, are very deliberate in knowing where people want to develop. Can you elaborate a little bit on that? Yeah, absolutely. And I think this is something about getting to know your people. And uh, a tool that you can use is really just spending one-on-ones with people and um, you know, asking people about what are they interested in and where do they want to develop in. And When you sort of ask people that, A, a lot of people don't often really have an answer <laughs> because they don't really think about it. Um, some people have very clear goals. Um, and so some of it is really trying to explore what are people interested in, what are maybe their concrete goals, and you know where do they see themselves going. And I'm looking at as a tech lead for a lot of alignment between the sort of work that's going on that is available in the environment in which we are, um, as well as the things and opportunities that people would like that maybe they're not yet aware of. So as an example, uh, you know, I have had some developers that really wanted to get into uh, sort of this DevOps mindset of really working with infrastructure, working mm. with sort of automation, say Puppet or Chef, or uh, trying to actually work on that sort of stuff, whereas other developers really don't want to deal with that. You know, they, they want to focus on maybe more of the front-end kind of UI type stuff or You know, you have developers who don't really want to look at UI type stuff, but mm. um, really just want to get better at maybe the hardcore backend services and APIs. And unless you ask people, you don't really find out about these things. And, and this is where it's really useful to sort of spend time uh, with sort of each developer and, you know, maybe even do it as a group as well. Mm. Yeah. All right. Again, switching topic a little bit. You mentioned it in the beginning uh, as a tech lead, you need to code yourself. Yes. Uh, why is that so? Yeah, um, so I think it's a really key thing. And, and I think for me, it's really about being able to code with the system. I have an article that I sort of refer to, um, which was, I think, from Computer World or Info World. And in it, this sort of author talks about how, you know, developers tend to respect other developers because they can see the code that they write. And uh, I have an example very early on from my career where I was working uh, in a company where there were sort of technical managers And one of the sort of technical managers wanted me to sort of finish um, this tool, which would kind of connect back then sort of CVS 
uh, into their internal source control system. Okay. Uh, and it was uh, with Perl bindings and all this sort of stuff. And it was late Friday and, and this manager came up and said, oh, okay, okay, it's really important that we get this done before the end of the day. And, you know, we're talking about 3 p.m. on a Friday afternoon. <laughs> uh, and I'm pretty confident we're not going to get it done. And then I was like, okay, well, let's work on this together. And we sit there. Um, and then, you know, sort of handed over the keyboard to the technical manager. And there was just this kind of like look of what do I do next? Like, and it was just clear to me that, you know, he couldn't write any Perl. And it wasn't clear to me what he wanted to do achieve by sort of sitting down and pairing with me on this sort of stuff. And I, I recognize this as a developer earlier in my career. Is that this, uh, okay, I'm putting this person into the non-technical bucket over here. Uh, and at that point, you know, you end up having a very different perspective. And so as a tech lead, if, you, if your developers don't respect the fact that you can write the system, when you're helping them try to make choices as a group about the different direction, you'll, you'll end up probably making the wrong uh, decisions. And also your developers probably won't have buy-in. And so for me, it's really important that a tech lead understands what's going on in, in the code. And so, you know, you'll probably get more used to reading code than writing code, but I still think it's really important that a tech lead can contribute to the system. So, you know, they know where to go for a particular area and they know how to sort of add extra features in where tests would go and, and be able to do that because it's really important for maintaining that rapport and also just the awareness of the general technical architecture and risk. Yeah. So I need, I need to code because I need to... Um be respected by the developers to be a successful tech lead. Um, the second aspect is was uh, you just mentioned in the end, like you also need to know what is going on in the code to be a tech lead. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I I see this quite a lot as well in that uh, you know tech leads, uh, particularly maybe the too much of a um, offhand tech lead where they you know trust the team, they they do that. And then they come to the team and look at the code base six months later and then say, why have we got classes that are 300 lines long and what, where are the sort of tests and where are these expectations of what they thought was good code but hasn't really been happening so much because the, the team have make, been making that decision. And for me, this is about that technical risk management, which is, you know, it's great that you trust developers and you want to give people that sort of understanding and freedom. At the same time, you also need a feedback loop to validate that you know, what you think is happening is actually happening. And I think for me, that's a really key thing where as a tech lead, you need to be able to understand what the, the current state of the system is to see if the balance is maybe going too far of, yeah, we're pushing our features too fast and we actually need to spend some time on maybe redesigning. And you know, maybe we need to look at a different architectural approach for one part of the system rather than just keep adding to what we currently have. So when you code as a tech lead, is it... Pairing, or is it single-handed coding, or is it other yeah. types of coding? It's it's a great question, and I would uh, highly recommend staying away from the being the lone ranger working on particularly critical time critical tasks because you end up being a blocker. So naturally, I think um, one of the difficulties, which I think we'll talk a bit about later, is about time management, and it means that you won't really be able to continue working on something. So you should. Really try to avoid working on kind of the critical uh, path item. And I find pairing is a really great way of working. So one of the ways that I like to work with people is, um, I guess, typically when we sit down with a uh, feature or user story, uh, we're kind of talking about our general approach, what we need to do. And we're a little bit more explicit about some of the things that we'd like to approach. 
so that if I end up sort of being interrupted, which I inevitably will, or I have to go to a meeting, uh, then you know you can do that. Things kind of continue, and when you come back. Hopefully, uh, um, things haven't veered off too course, or at least you can have a conversation with who you're working with. And it has a benefit of a couple of things where, you know, um, the person that you're working with gets to get some extra input from a different perspective, but also that, you know, you, you get that sort of touch point with sort of features um, and, and you know what's going on in the code base. So you're planning a little bit the implementation pass when you mm -hmm. start a pairing so that yep. the other person can continue on its own. Yeah. And you have to, to go to a meeting. Yeah. So I want to highlight uh, another um, bad anti-pattern because I think it's really critical here. And it actually happened on the project where I was a developer just before I became the tech lead for the first time. And my tech lead at that time had an interesting style of dealing with things that they didn't like, uh, which meant that we would sort of go home uh, in the evening as developers And they would sort of magically refactor everything away in the in the middle of the night, check it in, and when we came in the morning, we'd be looking at the code and saying, "Well, why is it all being rewritten?" And there was no discussion about why it was done or if it was even better, because for us it was really puzzling and very difficult to to maintain. And it created this sort of sense of disempowerment. So I really want to highlight that as a really big key tech lead anti pattern of like rewriting everyone's code because you you disagree with it. Mm, yeah, this leads very nicely into into another um, area because you uh, when you when you are a developer usually you have peers around you and suddenly in the situation you describe there is the developers and the tech lead and I've mm -hmm. I've heard you talking about tech lead being a lonely role so mm -hmm. how much is tech lead part of the team and how much is it really different from the the developer team. Yeah, um, I, I think, so for me, I think the tech lead is part of the team. I think some of the responsibilities and a different perspective means that you kind of felt, you feel torn between two worlds. So there's one part where you are working with a team, writing code, but then at the same time, you are often drawn into other things where, you know, maybe the business are sort of maybe screaming for new features and sort of pressure of delivering new things. Or, you know, maybe a developer has come to you with a sensitive topic about what's concerning them. And it's really difficult to share that with everyone else because of, you know, that personal nature. And I think this is where you feel both part of the team, but also at the same time outside. And as a developer who's maybe moved into this role, that can be really hard. So there are a lot of other roles on development teams, which are typically maybe a bit more unique. Uh, so maybe you have only just one tester, or maybe you only have um, one sort of project manager. But as a developer, where you're normally surrounded by lots of other developers, and you feel put into this role where you're both still part of the team, but a little bit out, it can feel very lonely. Hmm. And Apart from feeling lonely, what does this mean for, for you when you're becoming a tech lead? Yeah, um, I guess uh, some of the things I learned the hard way <laughs> is that you can deal with the problems yourself and you can kind of keep thinking, you know, you have to, you know, you've been put in this position for reasons, so you, you're competent to being able to do this. But it's really important that you actually build your own sort of support network. And what that means is for some topics, it's often better to talk with other people who aren't associated with your current environment. And this is what I kind of talk about a lot in the courses um, that I lead, which is around building your own support network. In some organizations, you may be lucky that you're working with other tech leads from other teams. 
or you have lots of tech leads on the same floor. Uh, and in those situations, you have the real benefit of maybe being able to coordinate something what we used to do called tech lead lunches, you know, or a tech lead sort of session where you get them all together and you sort of get to talk about a, a few more of the things that are difficult to talk about with your team. Mm-hmm. You know, it might be about managing your time and your calendar and how you sort of cope with getting back into code. Maybe it's about, you know, what's the best way of getting over some conflict in the teams or, you know, what tools and technologies are other teams using that make sense that maybe we aren't even aware of because we don't have people who, who know about them. But things that are just really difficult to get that sort of feedback from within the team and you need that sort of support. Yeah, um, I actually was once in a meeting where where someone asked, okay, who of you is a manager, who's a developer, and who is a who, who is an architect? And he said, a manager is the one where you are most of the time in your emails, a developer is most of the time in the IDE, and a uh, architect is most of the time in PowerPoint. <laughs> and I actually said, oh, and a tech lead is the most of the time in his calendar. <laughs> <laughs> so is is that something you discuss in those lunches? Can you maybe yeah. share some some discussions yep. you had in these lunches? Yeah. So um, uh, the way that I've facilitated it is uh, because obviously we uh, with ThoughtWorks we're a consultancy, so we work with different clients. But I was lucky enough to be close to other teams who were working with close uh, clients in this sort of neighborhood. So we got together at lunchtime because that was the easiest way for us to meet somewhere neutral. And then we try to focus on a, a topic of the day. So you know, like we all brought like. We had a list, sort of like a Trello board or a list of uh, topics we wanted to talk about. Uh, so I think one of the topics at the time was like time management. You know, how do you get yourselves away from meetings? Uh, there was another topic which was maybe about uh, dealing with sort of developer issues. Uh, so, you know, maybe there's a developer that's maybe uh, not gelling with the rest of the team. What are the strategies that other people would use uh, to maybe help get some more alignment around that sort of stuff? Sometimes it was like really technical kind of topics, right? Which is like, uh, let's, you know, review our architecture and see if it makes sense or would you have approached our problem a different way? Hmm. Uh, and yeah, we'd sort of pick a topic that we, we tried not to focus on things that were very, very developer-centric. So, because otherwise you could talk with that with your team, like, you know, um, what's the right design pattern for this particular feature or whatever. And we really tried to focus on issues that we felt uh, were most valuable to share with peers at the same level yeah all right that seems to be a nice synergy to to build a support network so let's let's look at the process of how to become a tech lead so there was this call on on the airport once you came back from from holidays and you by one call you were transformed from a developer into a tech lead kind of yeah. uh, have you been working towards it or did it happen to you Uh, I, th I think it was, yeah, thrust upon me is probably the best way of describing it. Uh, and I think for me, I didn't really know where to go for support other than talking to people. And I'm thankful that I had people to talk to, but it would have also been a lot better had I been able to sort of maybe been aware about what the responsibilities were and understand how to do that. Um, I think post that experience, I ended up looking for books around that area. And probably one of the oldest books that I found was uh, Becoming a Technical Leader by Gerald Weinberg, which I think was a really great book and gives you lots of toolkits. Um, but I think it really helps all sorts of people in any sort of technical environment, not necessarily just tech leads. Uh, and so for me, I think there was a bit of a gap in terms of helping people understand what does it mean to be really uh, sort of 
successful tech lead, I guess, which is one of the reasons I ended up sort of studying the book, which is a collection of interviews uh, called Talking with Tech Leads. Yeah, we'll quickly talk about the book later. Um, I wonder when you suddenly start being another role, um, what are the things you you notice? You what what are the things suddenly different you, when when you become a tech lead? Is yeah, it, is it? I mean, it's not like you're a different person from one to the other day. No, no. I think part of the struggle is first when somebody sort of gives you these roles is uh, there's a certain uncertainty uh, and you know, there's um, potentially a lot of stress going, am I actually doing what I should be doing? And, you know, it's very difficult to sometimes get a list of responsibilities or areas in which you should focus on. So I think for me, it was really not really aware about the things I didn't know. And I was conscious that there were probably things that I should be looking at, but maybe didn't know about. Um, and I was really trying to find and talk to people about, you know, what are those things that I'm not doing, but maybe I should be doing. At the same time, uh, I guess I was really trying to throw myself into understanding, you know, okay, I feel comfortable in my sort of developer level skills. Uh, there's definitely leadership skills in terms of the lead of the role. So what does that mean and where can I go to find and develop those things? So, you know, understanding how you communicate effectively, particularly with, say, non-technical stakeholders versus technical ones. Um, you know, how do you resolve conflict? How do you start influencing people? Uh, rather than sort of, you know, being able to do that through code. And then also, what does the sort of technical leadership architecture stuff mean? So uh, trying to really focus a little on, on building up skills around that area. Yeah. Is there something the developers on your team did that helped you in this transformation process? Or is uh, there something developers could do in general when they see they have a new B-Tech lead to support him? Yeah, I mean, if I think back to a couple of my uh, teams, I think the things that help me as a tech lead is making sure that I get feedback um, from various sources. And one of my favorite tools for doing this is maybe as part of the one-on-ones or maybe as part of a different session, which is doing sort of 360-degree feedback cycles. So I think sometimes we can go away, and I've seen this with other tech leads, where you know they, they think they're doing a great job, but actually the developers have a different perspective. And I think it's really important that as a tech lead, you ground yourself in getting that feedback about what the perspective is from your developers. Um, it's hard to do if you haven't built up that trust, but I think it's really important and it deepens that trust once you have that respect with your team. If you can actually talk about, you know, what do you see me doing as a tech lead and your expectations and am I fulfilling them? Or where do you think uh, I may be weaker or I could improve on? And where are the things that you think Uh, I am actually doing a pretty good job. And so you can get some more perspective around that and to sort of validate that across the team. Yeah. So um, getting feedback is an important tool. What kind of feedback did you get if, you're, if you would like to share some of it? Yeah. Um, so I had some feedback from my team. So this is, a, I guess, a personal thing about when I context switch a lot, I am very task-oriented, uh, and so I end up getting very, uh, I guess it's maybe a bit more um, directive. Um, and I guess this was some of the feedback that I got, which is particularly when I'm stressed, you know, I maybe don't give enough time for people to talk about their sort of story or the pain points, and I'm really focused on what are we doing about it. And I think for me that was a really useful sort of check-in point because A, When you're under stress, you don't realize how much that's affecting your behavior. And we all 
have different coping mechanisms for that. Um, but also then that also helps me understand what's not working with a team. And we ended up agreeing on a mechanism for me to sort of both deal with the stress in terms of the context switching um, by having sort of more specific times where maybe I could be more interrupted and times where I needed just to really focus on maybe thinking about a couple of uh, bigger issues. And then also it made me a lot more aware of how I was interacting with people when I was under stress. So it meant that I, I tried to give people more time and empathize with their sort of current situation rather than trying to drive for a particular solution. Hmm. Yeah. All right. Let's start going a little bit into summary. And there is one question I think is nagging around when you're doing tech lead for the mm -hmm. first time or um, even today, which is how do I know that I'm good when I'm tech leading? Uh, I think it's a great question. I've never really thought about that. What I would say is uh, everyone has a different technical leadership style. So I think what good looks like, you have to kind of, I guess, appreciate or recognize how you approach stuff. I think a good sign that a tech lead is working is that you kind of don't really need the tech lead from a day-to-day -day perspective. Uh, so I think if a tech lead is kind of constantly involved in meetings and constantly giving the answers to everything, I would say that they're probably not being so effective as a tech lead. So if we go back, maybe connecting to maybe one of the first questions that you asked, which is why do we even need a tech lead? Is that I guess if you're being an effective tech lead, the tech lead role should be a bit more of a, you can go back to being a developer role, still focusing on that sort of bigger picture and watching for whether there's misalignments. But if you're doing your job effectively, then the team should be aligned and there shouldn't be so many sort of arguments and or they can resolve it themselves and there is that general consensus. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you, you've wrote a book. It's called Talking with Tech Leads um, from Novices to Practitioners and you've been interviewing a lot of tech leads, um, always asking the same few set of questions and there is uh, yeah, multiple perspectives of how a tech lead can be in this book. Yeah. And uh, what I actually like about it is it shows um, very concrete that every tech lead has his own style. Mm. What did you learn doing those interviews? Yeah, I mean, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a, well, actually, I think the first part is what you already sort of answered, which is actually there's different approaches to, to taking this on. And each one is okay. And I think that's okay. Is that I think when you move into that role, you'll question yourself about, Uh, am I doing the right things? And you will have your own style. And just because a tech lead on a different team approaches it differently doesn't mean you're doing it wrong. But I think for me, it was really uh, um, really understanding that there are different tools um, and approaches that people use, and there are different focuses. So I think for me, one of the biggest takeaways was when I am in these sort of uh, roles, being a tech lead, I don't make enough time for myself. Uh, and I think that was an interesting uh, observation from, uh, I think it was John Pither in the book, where, you know, it was really, he was focused very much on sort of the meditation and the being in the moment and trying to make sure that he has that time to focus on what he's doing right and to prioritize your time. Um, and I think for me, that was one of my biggest takeaways out of that book, um, which was making sure that you make enough time for yourself. Uh, you, you, um, how many tech leads have you been talking with? I'm a bit lost uh, at the moment. Uh, yeah, uh, I ended up talking to about, I think, 37 different tech leads. Uh, there was a few more, but uh, 
I think I was trying to get for some some depth. I also tried to really focus on trying to find female tech leads. And it was really interesting because as an industry, we have a problem with sort of trying to get enough uh, sort of female developers, but getting sort of female tech leads into the book for me was a personal uh, goal. Um, and that was really interesting, trying to reach out to my network of people about who I could talk to uh, around that. Yeah. So what did the, the different tech leads talk about? What were the main topics you see? Yeah. Um, so the book is split into two areas, one which is focused on novices and the people who've maybe do, been doing it for a while, which I've kind of labeled as practitioners. And, you know, I guess it was really interesting because with the novices, there was a lot of commonality around that shock, which was the, <laughs> you know, I've been a developer, I'm now in this tech lead role, what does it mean? And actually, for me, uh, it was great to hear um, that everyone had the same sort of struggles because I hope that that helps people recognize that if you move into that role for the first time, it's the normal thing of being in that role, and that's okay. In the sort of second part of the book, there was some emergent themes that kind of came out, uh, and uh, there was definitely one which was about sort of managing yourself, which was a whole sort of theme, uh, and this was really trying to focus on prioritizing your time, Uh, making sure that you uh, understood, um, you know, where you're spending your time to be the most effective. And actually, it's okay to sort of spend time sort of planning where you spend your time. And I think that's really important. Um, there was a whole section around people. And I think for developers, this will probably be one of the more difficult parts to develop. So I think developers will naturally move towards maybe more technical type sort of architectural thinking, which is the tech of a tech lead, another section. But I think understanding people and dealing with difficult people circumstance is like something you don't really practice as a developer. So you don't have that experience to build on. And you'll need that when you actually move into that role. The final sort of category was really around bridging uh, sort of tech with the business. So we haven't really talked about it much in this sort of context because I think we felt a little bit more inwards uh, and on the sort of architecture and technical side. But there's a really key thing where the tech lead role in a lot of organizations is about this sort of bridging with the business. So trying to make sure that there's a close connection to what the the sort of technical team are delivering to business value and helping the business understand what the technical terms mean, what the architecture means and what decisions, uh, what the implications of decisions are and how they affect potential business opportunities. Mm. That was my last question. So um, that now is your opportunity to um, ask to any question I should have actually asked. <laughs> so is there something you want to say in the end? Last, some final last pearls of wisdom? Yeah, I, I guess my advice to people who want to develop themselves as a tech lead is that I hope that a lot of the sort of mapping out about what a tech lead should do is a little bit clearer through sort of some of the work that I've been trying to focus on. And I hope that it really helps people start to understand that it is a map of different sort of skills and areas. And then you can find ways of developing and finding ways of sort of practicing some of those skills to make it explicit. Um, I definitely sort of say make sure that, you know, you build up your own support network uh, and that's a really key thing. And that actually being a tech lead shouldn't be uh, sort of uh, a shameful thing because some people think that sometimes you move post-technical, but actually it is about having a really positive impact because, you know, as a developer, you get really frustrated sometimes about your environment, but actually as a tech lead, you get to help shape that. And I think that's a really exciting opportunity. Mm -hmm. All right. Thank you very much. How can people find out more about this topic? 
So yeah. there's obviously uh, the book uh, mm -hmm. they can buy and read. Uh, you can so I tend to blog a lot, um, or maybe not a lot, but quite frequently on these sorts of topics about technical leadership on my website, which is www.thequa.com. <laughs> um, and then um, I'm also pretty active on Twitter, and I'd love to hear you know questions and uh, puzzles, or even your thoughts about what you think tech lead should have. Um, you know, I think I learn a lot by talking to people about you know, the problems that they're having. And I love to share my experiences. So do reach out. My Twitter handles are Pat Qua. Yeah, and of course, there's the uh, the book website, which you can find on LeanPub. All right. Yeah, so the next thing would be how to reach out to you. Um, all of that will obviously be in our show notes. So we will link um, the blog post mentions and, and also Pat's uh, website as well as Twitter profile. Being at that, thank you very much, Pat, for this interview. I think it was very, very interesting. Thank you for having me. It's uh, You've had some really great questions and I've really enjoyed the discussion. Thank you. Uh, very good. So we as SE Radio, of course, uh, want to hear what you think of this show and of all the other shows. So um, reach out to us, use um, the comments uh, on the website to um, comment on this episode. Um, we have a team email, which is team at se-radio.net. We have a Twitter handle, which is at se radio. You can find us on LinkedIn, Google+, Facebook. Just let us know what you, you think of us. That would really, really help us. So um, with that, um, I thank, thank you for today. This is Johannes uh, for Software Engineering Radio. Thanks for listening. Bye. <laughs>